fine. But no, we're just going to go from the Bible. Safe space. Safe place to start. Um, so yeah, so um, this week we're just kind of t- talking about the heart aspect of money. And um, next week there's the uh, head aspect and then there's the hands aspect of money. So um, what does the Bible say about money and what does money have to do with our hearts? Um, the first thing is um, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, and it says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's kind of like the quite an obvious verse where God's talking about treasure on earth, treasure on heaven, and um, that's where your heart will be also. And so in the context of this verse, Jesus is talking about storing up treasures in heaven rather than storing up treasures on earth. Because when you store up on earth, that's where um, uh, vermin and uh, moths destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Um, so Jesus is teaching us your heart is where your treasure is. So don't fix your treasure and heart on earthly things, but fix it on uh, heavenly things. Yeah. Um, I'll just say that again. Your heart is where your treasure is, so don't fix your treasure and heart on earthly things, but rather fix your treasure and your, by extension, your heart on heavenly things. Um, Jesus carries on explaining this to us about earthly things versus heavenly things. Uh, in Matthew 6, verse 24 to 20, uh, 34, and, and these verses help us to see where our hearts should be in relation to money. Um, so yeah, so um, if you would turn to your Bibles, if you feel like pulling it out, or you can just read off the screen as well. So uh, yeah, here goes. Uh, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Then verse 25. Therefore I will tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Yeah, and so it's quite like, you know, there's 11 verses, um, and they all kind of relate to this topic. And three things to pull out from this passage would be you cannot serve both God and money, do not worry, seek first his kingdom. Um, so, you know the first one, just going on the first one, you cannot serve both God and money. Uh, I don't think many people 
you know, here, if, you know, if, you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, I don't think many people would come out and say, oh, yeah, I just serve money, you know, like I, I set out to serve money or, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and not many people would say that, oh, yeah, I serve both God and money either. I think, you know, if you're, if you're, you're coming into church and you're, you're following Jesus and you're, you're um, kind of intentionally trying to serve God rather than money, yeah? Um, yeah. Everyone agree with that? Hands up. Anyone disagree with that? No? Oh, yeah. I was going to say that um, at this point, that means the sermon's done because you've all passed. We're serving God, uh, God not money. But um, no, the thing is, money and God are actually not um, mutually exclusive. Um, we can't serve both, yeah? But we also don't exist in a vacuum without money. Money's in our lives, whether we like it or not, you know. You can't go out and buy something without money. Um, money's a tool that's in our lives, whether we like it or not. It can take over our hearts, though, more than it should. Um, I can illustrate that. So, next slide shows this, you know, original great picture of cash, which is like the picture for the series. The next three weeks, you'll be seeing this a lot, yeah. Um, and it came to me last week as I was just kind of like finishing up, preparing for this, this talk, that, oh, Simon actually signed me up for the money series. And then I read, I looked at this picture, I was like, this is about cash. And I looked at the app, and everything's about cash. I said, like, oh, cash is not the same as money. Am I supposed to talk about FPOS, or like, <laughs> do, I, do, I, do I not touch on like, do I not touch on credit cards? Um, but you know, it just made me think about cash, and think about how actually cash for me works different, slightly differently from money. You know, if, if I had a, a, you know, a wad of cash in my wallet, I'm more likely to spend it. You know, you give me $20 and I'll, go and get a burger or something. If you give me like $50, oh yeah, that's like a haircut. $100, that's like five burgers, two haircuts. <laughs> Not in one city, hopefully. Um, if you give me a $5 note, that's a bit different. Um, you know, because you can't spend that much. You can't spend the $5 on, much, on many things these days. I actually have a $5 note that I keep handy with me um, all the time. Um, and yeah, it's not really useful. It's, it's like my backup money, money, but it's not very useful because you can't really use it for anything much. Yesterday, I think we went on the cable car and it was $6. <laughs> and so <laughs> yeah, I was like halfway up the hill at the cable car and then the guy was like, cash only, $6. And I was like, oh, I've got five. <laughs> so I had to call Andrea who was coming up from the bottom and say, do you have a dollar? And then, yeah. Um, so... Yeah, not very useful. So it's so useless. Does anybody want this? No, no. Cost of living is still a thing, you know, so I'm just going to keep it. <laughs> um, but um, that, is, that is all kind of like um, talking about how, um, you know, money is, is, you know, in cash is slightly different. But, you know, that might affect me, but might not affect you. You know, you might be really good with your self-control. You never end up spending or splurging and going on shopping sprees. You know, if I give you $100, it just goes into the bank or something like that. Um, 
and money is not your master in that respect. But to be honest, my main point uh, with this illustration about cash is that um, actually expenditure is a very regular part of our lives. So, you know, spending money on the things that we need, on the things in our lives, that's a very regular part of our lives. You know, food, haircuts, books, treats, petrol, that kind of stuff. It always just happens, it's normal. But money is a tool that we live with and use, yet it sometimes can become our master. Spending uh, can sometimes become our master. And to know whether spending is your master or not, it requires self-examination of your heart. It requires spending to be a tool for serving God and also for our hearts to be aligned to God's interests. That's on a slide there somewhere. Yep, spending is a tool for serving God and to align and to serve God is to align our hearts to God's interests. Um, there's another way that money can be master, though, um, and that's through saving money. Does that sound controversial? Saving is bad, and saving money means money is my master. Um, you know, in our household, um, I'm the spender, and Andrea, my wife, there is, a, is the saver, I'd say. And... She's going to be like, oh, you're just saying this to get me. But, <laughs> but no, I'm <laughs> um, you, know, there's, you know, there's Matthew 6, verse 26 that we read earlier, which said, um, you know, birds don't stir up food in barns, yet God feeds them. You know, so that's talking about a not, you know, getting so preoccupied with storing your food in barns, yeah? A bank account is much better. <laughs> um, but... The key is not where the saving is right or wrong, but where your heart is behind your saving. And so the, this is explained well in, um, in the passage, uh, especially on the section, in the second point, which is about do not worry. And Jesus teaches us not to worry. He says, do not worry about your life. Do not worry about your food and drink. Don't worry about your body and your clothes. And so a good indication that saving money um, isn't our master, is if we're not worrying, and if the need to save money doesn't come from unhealthy worries within our hearts. Um, you know, cost of living is a you know, major thing this year, you know, and it's easy to just look at our bank account and, and worry, you know, look at, you know, worry about the next month or, you know, the next big installment of things. Um, and yeah, if you, you know, if you tend to worry about these things, you know what I'm talking about, how our hearts can be kind of slaves to the master of worry. Um, you might say, I don't worry about these things. I've got clothes, I've got food, I've got what I need. It doesn't bother me, you know. Um, end of story. But just as, as an example, you know, how much has cost of living hit you, you know? You know, my $5 note from earlier that I said wasn't useful, um, Cost of living is, is real, you know, you can't actually buy a coffee in some place, in a lot of places, for under $5 in Wellington. If you're not from Wellington, um, good for you. <laughs> um, but, so cost of living, it impacts us today, and it impacts how we serve God as our master, rather than serving money. Um, it affects what our heart says on the matter, in terms of saving and spending. Um, I googled cost of living and, you know, to see if it was real. <laughs> I, 
but I, I just ended up looking at jokes, so do you want to hear some? Um, the first one is, I don't understand how cemeteries can raise funeral prices and then blame it on the cost of living. Gracie loves it. The second one is, um, if you can't love me when I'm broke, then you don't deserve me when I have $60. Um, and the third one is, uh, despite the high cost of living, it remains popular. Despite the high cost of living, it remains popular. And I think um, it's a bit ironic, but that last one really hits home. Um, that despite the high cost, we still need to live. Yeah? How can we go about our days and do all our things without worrying about money and costs? When we worry about our things, our money and our costs, we give room for money. We give, basically make room in our hearts to money. Um, we give room for it in our hearts to become a thing. We give room for money to grow in importance in our lives for it to slowly master us. How then do we not worry then, especially in this current climate? Jesus says, um, if God clothes the grass of the field with flowers that is dressed in more splendor than Solomon, will he not much more clothe you? The key is to trust God's word on this, I think. Give it to God, have faith that he's got our back. Give no room in our hearts to worry and make room in our hearts to trust in him. That's up there on the slide, I think. Give no room in our hearts to worry and make room in our hearts to trust in him. Um, it's this kind of faith, trusting God to look after us and our families, um, that we get to our third point, which is seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all the rest of these things will be given to you. You may be thinking, so you're saying not to be slaves of spending, not to be slaves of saving, so should we then just be paralyzed and, you know, how to, and, and be paralyzed in how we use our money? But no, on the contrary, it's at this point that we realize that we're not letting spending or saving master us, but that we're inviting God to be our true master. We're inviting him to come in and rule over our finances, and more importantly, underneath all that, for him to rule over our hearts. Um, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. When we give our hearts to God, we're naturally posturing ourselves into a giving position. Our actions, our desires, and our decisions around finances, they, those things, they become our gifts to God. And it's then that your money becomes a tool for God to use. Um, back at the beginning, we talked about Matthew 6, verse 21. Um, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And that verse talks about heart, and um, that heart uh, in the Greek is cardia. This is a tip from Simon. Cardia, yeah, makes me you know, look a bit more pro using, <laughs> talking about the Greek. Um, the center and seat of spiritual life, the soul or mind, as it is the fountain and seat of the thoughts, passions, desires, appetites, affections, purposes, endeavors, I love that it's got appetites in there so I can eat my burger for Jesus as well. Um, when we give our hearts to God, it's giving all of that. It's giving our thoughts, our passions, our appetites, 
our affections. It's giving your purpose and all of your endeavors to God when we're giving our hearts to God, when we're setting our hearts um, on, on heavenly things. And, um, and, and that might sound frightening, I think, in this day and age. What does God want me to spend my money on? When and how does he want me to save? How do I discern his voice and how I run my day and where all of my money should go? Does he want to know how do we do these things right down to the cent? It's all a bit, you know, it can be a bit overwhelming. And this can be a challenging, uncomfortable, you know, tricky question for all of us. What's the answer? Who wants to know the answer? Yeah. Well, this is a three-part series and Dan Sylvester <laughs> is preaching next week, so he'll give you some answers. And if not, Simon will give you the ultimate answer in week three. <laughs> um, but no, I think the answer is um, quite like right there in uh, Matthew 6, 33, um, which says, Seek first his uh, kingdom and his righteousness, and all these, these things will be given to you as well. Jesus purposefully doesn't outline any rules or parameters more detailed than that on spending or saving and things like that. You know, he talks about, he gives examples, you know, in the, in the Gospels, you know, he talks to the rich young ruler and tells him to give up everything. Um, and that's that case. But then in other cases, he talks about other things. And, but the biggest thing is seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. It's not about the form, but about the function. It's about letting his priorities, his kingdom, and his righteousness dictate every aspect of our lives. Every passion dictate every affection, purpose, and endeavor. Um, so my three-year-old Talitha, there's a picture out here. That's not when she was three, but I just thought you, you might like a picture of her eating marshmallows because it's a marshmallow story. Um, so this is um, a moment a couple of weeks ago when we were at the cafe and Talitha um, got three marshmallows from the person at the counter. And that was, you know, a real surprise for, for, for both of us because, you know, you're, you're only supposed to get two, you know. If you're lucky, one white and one red, you know, or one pink. Um, but she got three and she, her eyes just, you know, opened up and she was just like, um, essentially she just reached for them and started gobbling them down really fast. And as she was gobbling them down, I, said, I was saying to her, oh, yeah, do you want to give the third one to Dad? Um, you know, you don't usually get three. What about that third one? You want to give it to me? And then she got to her third one, and she looked at me, and she just put it in her mouth, just <laughs> ate it. And, um, but yeah, I had said all these things. I'd said, oh, you know, like, you know, dad's, dad's, you know, dad buys your fluffy every week, you know, what about me? You know, sharing is caring, you know, I tried to bring out all the slogans as well. And yeah, no, it just didn't happen. Um, you know, and... Um, yeah, I, I guess just a, as, a, as, a, as a fun activity, put your hand up if you think that she should have given me one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, go on. Um, and put your, I mean, you can, you can put your hand up more than once. Yeah, they say that. Um, there was also Maisie as well. So one of the other options was, hey, how about you give one to Dad, one to Maisie, and then one to you? And she still, still just keep eating. And there was another option when I said, oh, how about you give two to you, then one to me, and I'll give half of mine to Maisie so we can share. And um, still nothing, right? So who thinks that she should have give, uh, taken one and then one to me and one to Maisie? Yeah? 
who thinks that it's her marshmallow, so she's entitled to all three? Right. Wow. The good thing is there is no right answer, um, except for maybe that it depends on the situation um, or each circumstance. I think there was only one time in, the, in, her, you know, in her whole three-year-old life of fluffy drinking that um, she gave away all her marshmallows and left nothing for herself. And even in that case, I think I just felt sorry for her and I gave her one of my marshmallows back. Yeah. And, you know, I think, um, so, you know, it's a, it's, it's a funny story, but how we give away our marshmallows is kind of like seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. Bear with me, it's a bit of a stretch, but... <laughs> Um, you know, you could give one marshmallow, two marshmallows, or three marshmallows away. You could give that third marshmallow away and split it up between different things in your life. At the end of the day, it depends on your relationship with God and knowing from Him what He would have you do for His kingdom and what righteousness to seek and what His heart is for you and how you give your heart to Him, you know, dictates whether it's one, two, or three marshmallows at different times of your life. You know, for, different, for a different cause, or a different case, for a different person, it might be three marshmallows or one marshmallow. And, yeah, I think um, sometimes that, in the, in, in, the, in the form of our lives, seeking first his kingdom and giving marshmallows, that could look like, you know, helping somebody in need, giving time to them, giving money to them, supporting them, buying them stuff. It could be supporting a cause. It could be uh, just even just taking the step to reevaluate our finances and, your, uh, and our you know, uh, expenditure and seeing you know, how that reflects our hearts and how that reflects us seeking his kingdom and his righteousness. You can't debate me on this because you already said that you're serving God, not money. <laughs> um, and I guess, I guess one thing that, that, that um, I think is um, a nice analogy, oh, sorry, uh, uh, encouragement as well, is that like Talitha, when she gave away all her marshmallows, I gave one back to her. You know, even if we give away all of your, our marshmallows, and we feel like, you know, you've just, God looks after us, you know. He, we go through, you know, ups and downs, hard times and easy times. Um, cost of living, but God looks after us throughout that. Um, just to close, uh, I'd kind of a challenge to myself and to us, you know, would be the question of, you know, are you a, a spender or a saver? You know, is God master over you or is money? Well, that's, you know, we already answered that question. Um, what is sacred in your expenses? You know, what's untouchable in your expenses? Would you, could you, should you give a bit of that up? Um, and, you know, it's not, when, that sounds a bit scary, but, you know, to me, when I first thought about that, I was just like, oh, yeah, I subscribe to three streaming services. <laughs> maybe, I just, maybe I could do two. But um, I've not come to a decision about that yet. <laughs> but, you know, just stuff like that, it's, it's about beginning to opening our hearts up to not just go with the status quo. Yeah, like, you know... I, if you can afford it, sure, but like, even if you can afford it, those little steps are part of perhaps what God wants to do with his kingdom. 
Um, is he asking you to go out of your way to check up on someone in need or support a cause close to your heart? Are you storing up for yourself treasure in heaven? Um, yeah. I've got my friends, um, Jono and Mike, who have um, uh, heart-shaped paper. And um, so I just thought as a bit of a practical application, um, they'll hand out like a heart to each person. They've got a lot of heart to give to you. And um, so I'd encourage us to just take one minute to think about what is stored up in your heart. So if next slide, please. Thanks, Matt. Um, is it treasure in heaven or on earth? And I think it's normal to have a bit of both. You know, if you're looking at your, your status quo, that we've stored up treasure on heaven and treasure on earth. Um, you know, as I think about mine, I think about all the people I love, you know, stored up in my heart, there's all the people I love, all my life goals, career goals, hobbies, and of course, you know, worries that sit in my heart as well. And so, yeah, when you get your pens, um, maybe after you have it, I, I just even call it like, you know, a brainstorm or more like a heart storm of what's in your heart. That's a dad joke. What's in your heart? What are your passions, desires, appetites? You know, as I said, I just, you know, as I first thought about it, it was just, you know, the people that I love, all the, all the things that are on my heart, all the things that I give for hobbies, life goals, that kind of thing. And then after you write that, next slide, thanks, Matt. Um, and then just have a think about how does this reflect my heart serving God and have money, worry and things taken up room in my heart? Is there something I need to change? And I don't think you need to really, after you list out your things on your heart, you don't really need to kind of consider this now and just resolve it. But it's something more like throughout the week, and that's why you have a heart to take away throughout the week as you look at your list of things. You know, how does my heart reflect serving God? How does, you know, uh, money play into this? Is there worry and things that have taken up room 